After years as a pediatric nurse, I thought I was so ready for motherhood. <laughs> yes, we can all take a collective laugh at my naivete now. Don't worry, I have. In today's world, we're pressured to keep it all together as at an all-time high, and true community is increasingly harder to find. Where can we turn to for support, guidance, or just a plain chat about the real stuff? This podcast aims to be just that, community, education, and a real combo on all things parenting. So come take a seat at my kitchen table. We're all family here, and we hold nothing back. My name is Jordan, and this is the Supported Parenthood RM Podcast. What is it like being a postpartum mom? I've said it before and I'll say it again. The first six to eight weeks are a wild ride, but postpartum lasts up to a year. So please do not feel like if you aren't 100% yourself by eight weeks postpartum, that something's wrong with you. That is a complete failing and fallacy on the part of American culture. Other cultures love and support and give space to a new mom for much longer. So what is it really like being a postpartum mom? There are so many layers to this. There is the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and so forth. Becoming a mother transforms every single part of you, and it can be overwhelming as hell. In this episode, I'm going to break down some of the things you might encounter physically, mentally, and emotionally, while sprinkling some advice and honesty on how to make postpartum a little easier. So, first. The physical. I am pairing this podcast with a blog post that I will release later today. The blog post is about postpartum red flags and warning signs that indicate something's wrong. If you are a new mom or a mom-to-be, I implore you to go check that out. It is important education and every mother needs to know that information to keep herself safe. So check it out on my website, supportedparenthoodrn.com slash parenthood blog. So like I said earlier, you are going through a wealth of physical changes. Honestly, physically, postpartum is a mess of body fluids. You're bleeding, you're sweating, you're crying, you're leaking milk, you're elbow deep in baby pee and poop. It's a freaking mess. (laughs) Physical healing alone is a massive undertaking. And yes, your body generally goes back to pre-baby state. And by that, I mean you have normal blood volume again and your uterus is back to its non-pregnant size and so forth. But you, as a holistic person, are not back to your pre-baby state by six weeks. You may never be. And by May, I mean you won't. You are officially a changed woman. Your body is going to feel different. It's going to look different. And those two things may be very hard to adjust to. And that's okay. It's okay to feel frustrated or upset that you feel like a stranger in your own body. Plus, if you're breastfeeding, you're a stranger in your own body and having to share that body with an entire human being constantly. It's very overwhelming. All that isn't even considering the massive hormonal shifts happening inside of you that can make you feel like a stranger in your own mind. So yes, you'll go to your six-week appointment and most likely be quote-unquote all cleared and deemed healed but do not feel discouraged or broken if you don't feel anywhere near healed or all clear. If you don't feel normal, that's actually quite normal. Personally, I have a big problem with the way our medical system fails to look at a person holistically. Yes, physically, you're on the right track towards healing, but even by six weeks, there might be things that aren't back to normal. Like for me, my hips are permanently different. They move different, they bend different. 
And it took about 18 months for my back to feel like it did pre-pregnancy. By not talking about these permanent or long-term healing changes, we set our mothers up to feel like there's something wrong with them. Or if they don't feel like anywhere near their normal self, we don't focus on all the intangible things that make a person whole. That's just my two cents. So how do you facilitate this physical healing? You rest. I literally cannot stress this enough, especially to American mothers. Rest, rest, rest. In America, we have this uber-independent, superwoman, highly productive female archetype, and it sets women up for failure in the postpartum period because to truly heal and have a smooth transition, you and your new baby need copious amounts of rest. In that first week postpartum, you shouldn't even be getting out of bed unless it's to go to the bathroom, shower, or taking a light, light, 15-minute or under walk to get your fresh air. That's it. Notice how I didn't say eat. Why? Because someone should be bringing you meals in bed. You literally should be resting in bed constantly, not cooking, not cleaning, not chores, not playing with other children if you have them, resting eating, spending time with your new baby. That's it. That's it. The second week should follow a similar vein. You can maybe go for two under 15 minute walks to get fresh air and maybe make a small snack for yourself. But other than that, get your ass back in bed. The third week, you should still be spending the majority of your time in bed but you can move your rest to other cozy places. Like if it's winter, you and your little newborn can curl up on the couch next to a fire. Or if it's nice outside, set up a chair outside and cozy up and get rest out there. But notice how you're simply taking your rest and sticking it in different settings. This is how you should optimally be spending your postpartum time. Healing, nourishing, bonding, and resting. For most people, being taken care of is really hard. I was completely guilty of this. I felt so ashamed and guilty that I wasn't as productive as I expected myself to be. And that took a whole toll on my both physical and mental healing. But the problem is you sit there and you think you're not being productive, except, you know, you're recovering from birthing a human and then sustaining that human's life. So I'd argue you're the most productive person in the household. I, for one, pushed myself too hard, and I can assure you the next time I have a baby, God willing, I will do nothing but rest and allow myself to be taken care of. This is imperative. Literally, like, you need help getting out of bed, so why the heck won't you need help doing everything else? You are not failing. You are not weak. You are actually the strongest person in your house, so rest and allow someone to take care of you. Following that, The whole sleep when the baby sleeps advice is overdone and a little annoying, but it's probably one of the only overproduced pieces of advice that's really true. I know it might be hard with household chores and the like, but in those first 8 to 12 weeks postpartum, let that go. Truly, try your best to let it go. It's really not important if your house is a mess, and I get it. Having a messy house, it can be overwhelming, it's overstimulating, it doesn't feel good and whatnot, but honestly, do your best to let some things go. 
because your postpartum period is about you. And that's not stressed enough because everybody's worrying about the baby, but it should really be largely about the mama. Your rest and recovery is paramount and you cannot be the best mother if you are not taking care of yourself. If it makes you feel better to put on pretty clothes and do your hair, then by all means do that, but only do stuff like that for yourself. If you are really struggling with feeling unproductive, and like I said, trust me, I've been there, then do one thing a day. One big thing a day to feel accomplished. Now, the definition of big is going to change as time goes on. After the first three weeks postpartum, and I mean that people, the first three weeks, the biggest task that you should be doing is literally walking to the bathroom. I digress. So one big thing might be doing one load of laundry, or it might be going for a 20-minute walk, or it might be spending uninterrupted quality time with your other children if you have them. Then as time goes on, that big thing might be to make dinner or clean your room, and then it'll turn into going on a grocery store run or taking yourself out for a cup of coffee for some alone time. If you set one realistic goal a day, then it'll help you feel accomplished. But make sure to keep it realistic since your healing is a priority. And if you make that goal unrealistic and then don't accomplish it, then it's going to make you feel even worse. So truly try to make sure that it's a realistic big goal. In nursing, they teach us start low and go slow. And basically, that's typically referring to medications. Whenever you're starting a person on medication or you're doing a new therapy or you're doing a new intervention, you always want to start at the lowest that you can and then you go slow and you build up from there. That absolutely applies to postpartum. You want to start with your goals really low, literally making dinner, making yourself a snack, one load of laundry, and then slowly build up until you feel like you can accomplish those bigger things, going for two hours, going on errands for two hours, or X, Y, and Z, whatever you need to accomplish. So start low and go slow. I'm going to do a pro tip right here for guests. Greet guests in a bathrobe or PJs. I actually recommend staying in comfy clothes for the first couple weeks because, again, You need to be resting and you're less likely to do things when you're in PJs. I, for one, felt this intense urge to put on nice clothes and get out of the house and look like a human. And while that did make me feel better, it was also exhausting. And then this expectation that I needed to be instantly put together in the first couple weeks postpartum was not productive or healthy because then I felt guilty and like a failure when I couldn't manage to do anything but sleep, eat, and feed my daughter and then nap some more. (laughs) So chill out in comfy clothes. And then when guests show up, since you still need to be prioritizing your rest, even if you're open to these guests, by greeting them in PJs or a bathrobe or comfy clothes, psychologically signals to them that you should be the one supported. If you greet them looking like a million bucks, they will unconsciously expect to be waited on and hosted and accommodated like normal guests because you look put together and amazing and healed and wonderful, right? Instead, it should be the other way around. You are the one that needs to be waited on, accommodated, and taken care of. Do not apologize for how you look or how the house looks or any of that. And this is why I encourage to only allow guests over that you feel comfortable with this. 
I remember when one of my best friends had her first baby and she told me, she's like, I'm not really accepting any guests now, but I know that you will not judge the fact that I'm still in my PJs at 5 PM and haven't cleaned the house. I'm like, I don't care about that at all, girlfriend. And she's like, that's the only reason I'm letting you come over because I'm not, I know that your presence isn't going to make me feel guilty. So I do encourage to allow guests to come over that you feel that comfortable with, but never apologize because there's nothing to be sorry for. And if someone does judge, kick their butt out. I also suggest making lists before the baby is born of all the things that you'll need help with, like grocery shopping, babysitting, laundry, etc. Because then when someone asks, how can I help you? You already have a list of concrete ways to help, and you don't even have to use brain power to think of something. Take people up on their offers to help and give them tangible, concrete jobs. Everybody loves clear directions. Next let go of expectations. You have never experienced what you are experiencing right now. Even if you have other children, every postpartum phase is different. Every baby's different. So let go of expectations. Expectations are the root of all disappointment. Shout out to Buddha here. (laughs) And disappointment leads to unsavory emotions like guilt, shame, and resentment. To truly embrace parenthood is to go with the flow and embrace flexibility. Flexibility is an asset. This is one of the biggest learning curves, especially if you're not a naturally flexible person. Babies follow no rules but their own, and their rules are constantly changing. Day by day, they change. What would make Lila calm and happy on day one, three days later, wouldn't work at all. And then we'd finally figure out how to soothe her again, and it would change the next day. Every day is a new day, and you're essentially relearning your child over and over and over again. And it's exhausting, and it can be intimidating. But if you're flexible and look at each day as a new slate and just go with it, it gets a little easier. The biggest expectation you need to let go of is the expectations you place on yourself. Give yourself grace. Unapologetically prioritize your healing along with taking care of your newborn. And let the rest go. Also, a sense of humor goes a long way. Parenthood is one big, you have got to be kidding me moment. And if you can laugh when your kid poops in the sink or throws up on you the second you finally put a nice outfit on or cries because a banana is too yellow, then parenthood will go a lot smoother. May the odds be ever in your favor. Along those same lines, I want to take a minute to say to stop worrying about your baby's development. I was obsessive about it. And I think it causes unnecessary anxiety. When, and I say when, because this is important, when you find a pediatrician that you trust and you maintain all the well baby visits, that pediatrician will be closely following your baby's development and will know if something isn't tracking well and intervention is needed. Every single child develops at their own pace, so please do not compare your child to any other. Each baby deserves to be given the space to grow at their own pace. So take a deep breath. If you're talking to your baby and involving your baby in everyday life and snuggling and loving your baby, then you are supporting their development. 
Everything goes by very fast, but feels so slow. So trust me when I say that one day you'll be worried about something, and then in a few days it'll resolve and you'll be on to worrying about something else. Like for example, when my daughter was four months old, she stopped cooing and started growling. She growled so much she wore her voice out, so she sounded like a 60-year-old chain-smoking man. I was a wreck. But eventually the growling phased out because kids are weird, but their phases are fast. So for the most part, things are not as big as they seem in the moment. And that's not to diminish the anxiety and the worry. I have 100% been there. This is more for reassurance to take a breath and know that it's most likely fine. Okay, so you have this baby. You just had a major life shakeup. Your body is all wonky. What do you do? You find a routine that works for you. Every baby is different. Every mother is different. Learn your baby's cues and signs and then go with it. Try to create a schedule that flows with both of your natural rhythms and don't let anyone tell you it's wrong. I've touched on this before, but I'm a natural night owl. I knew for a fact that I was not putting my baby down at seven so she could get up at 6 a.m. My baby went down to sleep around 10 p.m. to midnight and then would wake up at around 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Obviously with some feedings in there and blah, blah, blah. That worked for us. And anytime I tell people, oh yeah, my kid goes to bed at 10 p.m., they'd be like, what in the world are you doing? That's not good for your baby. Mm, She's getting the appropriate amount of sleep and we all are happy. We found a natural rhythm for us. Everyone will have an opinion. Simply say, thank you for your input. We'll take it into consideration and move on. Some advice might be helpful, but most belongs in the garbage next to moldy yogurt. You know what's best for you and your baby. You might not be hit with that instant maternal instinct and love and bonding, and that's okay. Sometimes that takes a while to set in. But I can assure you that you have maternal intuition built in. If something doesn't feel right and your gut is telling you that something's wrong or something doesn't work for you and your baby, listen to it. Drown out all that noise and listen to that intuition trust it. Trust yourself. Maternal instinct and love might be pulling her sleep mask over her eyes and saying, "Mm, five more minutes, but that intuition is always there. So take a deep breath and trust yourself. You will figure out what routine, methods, and lifestyle works best for you and your baby. You may start out on wobbly feet because motherhood has learned just like everything else, but you got this. Something I want to touch on briefly, but it will get its entirely own episode, is the radical transformation of your internal self and identity in motherhood. Not only are you going through these intense physical changes, meeting a new baby, meeting a new body, but you're also meeting a new person, and that person is you. Motherhood is going to bring out everything you've left unhealed. It's going to have you re-examining your values and your priorities. Your sense of self will have to expand and reorient to this new identity of mother and what that means to you and as a woman. It will also reveal some deeply beautiful things about yourself. Your strength, parts of you you didn't even think you had in you. Like for me, that was patience. 
you are going to learn some intense and soul-changing lessons in motherhood. And it's an insane ride. But be open to it. Because I'd argue that motherhood moves us closer towards authenticity more than any other life change. So be open to those changes. Know that they're going to be profoundly uncomfortable, but very worth it. Oh, and get a therapist. There are two other topics I didn't touch on in this episode because they deserve their own space as well. First is postpartum relationship changes. Actually, this is getting its own month entirely because along with your own mental transformation and identity shift, which is also getting its own month, your relationships undergo intense reorganization. And this is not easy and it takes a lot of work, but I found my relationships are stronger because of the shakeup parenthood put them in. And the second topic is breastfeeding. I am going to release a breastfeeding basics bonus episode for next week because I started talking about breastfeeding in this episode and went on a whole long spiel. So I felt this deserved its own little episode and it's less about how to breastfeed and more about me getting real and honest and raw about what the breastfeeding journey is like from both a professional and a personal level. And it's stuff that I wish someone would have told me and all moms about breastfeeding. So that will drop next week, but it it deserved its own because I was like, wow, this I've been talking forever. <laughs> so check that out as well. All right. In conclusion, those first 8 to 12 weeks are going to hit you like a ton of bricks. It's messy. It's exhausting. It's a steep learning curve. Give yourself grace. You are going to randomly cry at things. You're going to have days where you wish you could stick your newborn back inside your body just for a moment of peace. You're going to feel like your body isn't your own. None of this is easy. It's uncomfortable and sometimes terrifying, and that is if everything is going well. If you're dealing with birth trauma, physical or mental, that adds a whole other layer to the postpartum experience. If you're struggling with PPD or PPA or any mental health issues, that adds even more layers onto this experience. So, my last piece of advice is to make your mantra, this too shall pass. The good passes, the bad passes. Trust me, in the middle of sleep deprivation, a major life change, feelings of overwhelming emotions, or just being plain overwhelmed, it feels like this stage will last forever, but it doesn't. Days feel like weeks, weeks feel like years, but then one day you'll look up at your life and go, oh, wait, we made it through that. There is validity to the whole phrase, oh, they'll never be this little again, so savor it. And I do encourage you to savor every second when you're in the headspace to do so. But this too shall pass is more of a message of hope than anything else. You will get through breastfeeding struggles. You will get through sleep deprivation. You will get through developmental leaps making your kid cranky as crap or sleep regressions, or teething, or potty training. You will get through it. It will pass. And sometimes knowing that, knowing that it will pass, is all that keeps you going. And that in itself is okay too.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm always incredibly grateful to be invited into your space and time. If at any point in today's episode you thought, hmm, man, my friend would really love this, share this podcast with them and grow our community. Everyone is welcome. You can check out detailed show notes on my website, supportedparenthoodrn.com, or find me on Instagram at supportedparenthoodrn.